are you feeling the energy mounting? Everything is a bit chaotic and everyone is a bit on edge and you don't really know how to navigate it all? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Stan News segment for the Watsi Moon leading up to the full moon eclipse in Taurus on October 28th. Star News is my quick tips for the two weeks ahead, looking at the astrological transits and pulling tarot for the community to help us ground these archetypal energies in our day-to-day. These episodes drop on the day of a new moon or full moon respectively, but feel free to check out the main show on Thursdays for more tools to get to know yourself and empower yourself to build a life you don't want to escape from. I'm Alexis and you can think of me as your witchy BFF who wants to see you succeed in life. And I am the perfect blend of Capricorn and Scorpio to be an emotionally available problem solver whose whole identity is witchy things and hack walkie. And this podcast is like spark notes for the esoteric tradition. My aim is to make things concise and relevant to our modern lives. There's a fair bit to cover this time, so let's dive in. We're past Venus entering Virgo, Mercury Libra, Mars Scorpio and Pluto stationing direct. The shadow period will see us well into 2024 and I don't think I have ever really given my take on the energy of the retro shade, even though we have had a couple already. Astrologically, a retrograde asks us to stop and take a look at the themes of the planet and the sign that it's in. So time to slow down to speed up, which makes the shadow period the equivalent of a flight heading for takeoff back under with slow motion since they are at least a couple of weeks long. For me, it's a way of remembering not to jump headfirst at the first sign of change and inspiration, but build sustainable momentum. And with Scorpio season looming and nature herself preparing to enter the phase of inner growth, this feels like the biggest lesson in the transit of this eclipse portal. Also, I know about the eclipses that I don't think I mentioned the last time. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I have heard people talk about these two things that if they were the same thing. The eclipse portal and the eclipse cycle are not the same. Portal overlaps the new cycle on the new nodal axis of Aries and Libra. The old cycle in Taurus and Scorpio brings uh, to a close any themes that belong to the 18th month that the nodes have been in those signs. She's a perfect time to file for divorce for a marriage that started breaking down irreversibly in late 2021. Just for example, it's completely theoretical, totally random and not what's going on with me and my 7,000 Taurus. So these new next few weeks leading up to the Taurus eclipse are a perfect time to revisit anything that needs dramatic shift, even just to look back and realize how far you've come and be thankful for it. I don't like to be prescriptive about whether you want to do any active magic in between these lunations. There is a lot of people who are like, we don't do that because the energy is volatile. Then you have other witches who are embracing the chaos 
and surrendering the transformation that can be found in letting life unfold rather than doing spells with a very specific idea of what outcome of the spells should look like. So it's your practice and you build it to support your life. If you want to ride the wave of this tower card energy deliberately by doing spells to attune to the situation rather than just focus on shadow work, that's great. If you don't, that's great too. However, if you let the transits inform your decision making and the plans for these kind of things, what's going on after tonight at 6.55pm UK time is a great time to look inward and focus on any magical efforts on transmutation. All the energies, all the emotions, go however deeply you can safely go. Book a time at one of those places that lets you smash things if you have one nearby and make it a ritual, whatever. It really is the kind of time to go hard or go home with shadow work. Mere hours after the eclipse, at 11.31pm UK, we have Mercury in a trine with Chiron, the wounded healer. She's one of the key players in the eclipse itself, since it is in Aries, a few degrees from exact conjunction to the North Node, which itself is in direct opposition to the eclipse conjunct the South Node for obvious reasons. That's an, a new moon eclipse. That's just how the, astrolo uh, the astronomy works and therefore the astrology follows. The South Node eclipse carries the theme of letting go of the old and what doesn't serve us in the quest towards self-actualization in the North Node. This is especially relevant if you have these at your nodal axis, but even things that affect the collective, without touching us specifically, do affect us as individuals. And everything that goes on in the zodiac wheel will affect our natal themes, even if you skip assigning Placidus. It's all multi-layered and spiralic. And most of the transits we have during this period are taking place in water, earth and air signs. And this one involving Chiron is the last time we'll see a fire sign involved for almost a month. Fire is the element of action, the yang, and while air is also masculine polarity, it's more of the realm of the mind and planning and kind of a bridge between fire and the feminine elements. If you think about it, quite literally in nature, air is the only element which is made up of something that is also found in the other three. So to me, there is a clear stop sign flashing at us, even with Mars being in one of its traditional homes. We'll set aside the rulership of the signs for a moment, as that's too big a conversation for the scope of this episode and also because I'm working on workshops about the planets, so there will be plenty of opportunities to look at that. A lot of astrologers are talking about the energy coming back and things that need action, and I don't disagree. I'm acting on a year's worth of plotting myself, but it has to be said that we need it to be aligned rather than action for the sake of being able to say we acted. The elements involved are in the realm of emotions, of the intellect, uh, of the material, which also covers our resources. We need to be able to make things happen. 
including our own bodies, which is often a forgotten one. We have Jupiter still in retrograde in Taurus, so Neptune and Saturn are still retrograde in Pisces. So we're not completely out of a landscape of having to turn inwards just yet. On the 20th, we get the Sun conjunct Mercury, and it's one of the most common transits, so a regular check-in time for us about communication, self-expression, if we're not yet in a habit of having that as our normal. At the time, the Moon will be shifting from Sag to Capricorn, so we can look at the material from this more strategic lens too. On the 21st, we have two Pluto squares with Mercury and the Sun. So we see the tension between the collective and the individual play out once again, with two personal planets in the sign of the south node in tension with the generational planet that is the most associated with transformation. All of the generational planets have such a theme, but with Pluto we see the deep layers being brought to the surface in a way that the other planets don't really carry with them. I love to ground the planetary archetype in the myth of the culture in which tropical astrology originated, which was Greece, and at the time, an empire, because then we have the capital, uh, the cultural capital, and I think it was actually the literal capital, in Alexandria, in Egypt, and of course, even without the ease of communication that we have with the internet, thanks to commerce, information was exchanged, and the Ptolemaic Empire bordered the rest of the Middle East, so there were Arabic influences. But the system we use has the Roman gods as names for the planet for a reason, and that is that it was codified by people writing in Latin translating texts from Greek. So we have the Lord of the Underworld, who has a whole episode in season 2 dedicated to him, with the wonderful Angelica Cresci, I'll drop the link in the show notes, and he is an imp impartial ruler, and that is quite key in this context, because the only way to truly be impartial is to have all the facts and pass judgement based on that, which is a theme of Libra to begin with, so that's why I said this square is attention. For those familiar with the tarot, we're talking justice and judgement, and I dare say a bit of temperance energy too. We have a Venus rule sign that seeks harmony, and a planet that will not accept things brushed under the carpet in order to keep the peace. True harmony can only be achieved if all conflict is transmuted and societal change has taken place. Now, throw into the myth that the planet governing communication and the planet governing the self are the other players in the squares, and so what is already attention at a collective level and also that we are in an eclipse portal, and you can see the potential for transformation at play. This theme is going to remain with us as the transits move to the Earth signs, with the Venus trine before Mercury enters Scorpio two hours later on the 22nd. Venus, now in the sign of her fall in traditional astrology, will be in a trine with Jupiter, that is retrograde in Taurus, giving us an opportunity for personal growth as we bring Virgo's precision and practicality to the feminine flow of Venus in the many themes that she governs, which of course include love and money, which seems to be people's favourites. It's not a vibe that a goddess likes. And to be fair, when you can be laying over Saturn's shit, eating the bounty of the Earth, 
by which I mean figs and all the fruits of autumn, as well as the lover Mars, would you pick Virgo vibes? Because even I and my Capricorn stallion wouldn't. Anyway, we then get the shift of our chaotic messenger god into the sign of the deep emotional waters at 7.49am, about 10 hours later in a trine with our boundary-loving daddy Saturn, if you want to time block that evening for divination. It's a very interesting element combination because Mercury's Saturn aspects in Earth, girl bossing intensifies. In air, it is also a comfortable race for both planets, so there is a lot of logic and rational thinking involved in those placements. Fire is up for interpretation, some people have no problem with impulsivity and aggression, which in my opinion is the shadow side of fire signs anyway, but hey, I also believe most of the population lives from their shadows, so that's not really any consolation. But on the 23rd we then see the sun following into Scorpio, the day after engaging Saturn in a shrine too. We're now past the first quarter moon in Aquarius, so we have the planets of rationality and the masculine in a feminine sign, while the planet of emotions and feminine energy is in a masculine sign, which is a great example of polarity at work. Not only you can't escape this dance of both energies being an integral part of all of our beings and our lives, but their different combinations give us different shades of it at any one time. The archetypes are often made to look flat and 2D in popular astrology, but when you read a chart in its entirety, it's like making a bouquet of flowers. Anyway, the way we think of masculine and feminine as gender constructs and have built a society where they are separate bosses and people are expected to confirm to a single one, and also a narrow view of them while at that, is relevant to the fact we are now in Scorpio season, where power is a key theme. Shadow, power, transformation, sexuality, the occult and taboo topics in general, death, literal and metaphorical, all of the themes Scorpio and the eighth house with the light of the sun shining on them for a whole month. It's truly my favorite time of the year. Anyway, we have one final transit hour before the next eclipse which is happening in Taurus. And that is Mars opposite Jupiter in that sign. And that to me is a key transit since we are seeing the final eclipse of the Taurus Scorpio axis cycle with Jupiter retrograde while at that. Contrary to the common vibe that Mars in Scorpio is a time of action, we see this desire following the increased confidence that comes from Mars Jupiter opposition meeting a retrograde. It's a time to examine the foundation of this confidence as we wrap up the loose ends of this eclipse cycle and move on in the areas that it affected. Jupiter will be in Taurus until well into May next year, so it's a great time to make sure the foundations on which we will build the rest of this transit are solid ones. We've been collectively shaking up our second and eighth houses since November of 2021, and whatever variation applies to your natal houses too. I'm Scorpio rising, so for me it was personal identity and relationships, especially the infamous breakdown of my marriage that was already abusive, but it really came to a head with the timing of this eclipse cycle. 
And now I'm making moves to tie all loose ends this month so I can move on. But you don't need to have something as momentous as that to benefit from a little eclipse shakeup, of course. But with all of the meteor showers and the portal, there really is a sense to me that a lot is going on in the macrocosm. And whether you take that literally or symbolically, if you accept the esoteric principle of as above, so below, which I would guess you do, since why would you be listening to a podcast not only about witchcraft, but specifically cosmic witchcraft, if you don't? I mean, you're welcome either way. And if you do you, if you like listening to me for any other reason, but I expect to be talking to people who at least somewhat agree on the basic principles of what magic is, even accounting for the nuances in interpretation. It's a full moon, so I guess the warnings about chaotic energy apply a little uh, less than for setting intention and active magic to increase, but of course they still apply. So proceed with your caution if you are concerned about these energies. If you are entirely placebo and confident that you're absolutely right and there's nothing to worry about or you're a chaos musician so what you believe is conditional this next bit is not for you but for everyone else if we look at magic strictly as manipulation of energy from a controlling place then yes eclipses are scary because they are the wild energy that you can't control if we come to magic from a place of domination of the elements and nature like a poorly interpreted genesis then of course don't do spells because if you want a guaranteed outcome, you are not going to get it. And you may find yourself facing some hard truths about yourself and the situation that you wanted to avoid. But if you approach magic from a place of co-creation to begin with, then the fear may be unwarranted. That's not to say you do have to do active magic in this period. You know what you need and then just some girl on the internet who may or may not have met you before. Even if you are my friend of over a decade, Jack, if you're listening, hi, I still cannot make a decision for you. You are your own authority, not your guru, and no one should be. Not even astrology or human design or whatever. They are tools and my experience and wisdom is also a tool that I make available to you as well. However, if you look at the universe as if it isn't something outside of ourselves and nature is something that we are a part of, then we never seek to control it, even when it's not an eclipse portal. So it's true that eclipses may bring about more dramatic and uncomfortable shifts, but if we are already prepared to ride the waves because we're surfer, so we're trained to surf. Now, a beginner surfer is why not to face waves that are too big and dangerous when their skills are not yet attuned to the movement required of them to a degree that would make it safe. And the more experienced surfer is also wise if they decide that they never want to surf in one of those spots that are considered the dangerous ones. But many people do surf there just fine and they don't all come out of it dead. In fact, surfing is a far less dangerous sport than people outside of it believe it is, but that's a whole other topic. What I mean to convey is that the people talking about not doing eclipse magic are doing so from their own concerns and their own traditions, and often they are just repeating what other people have said without much thought about the situation. But if you are not bound by rules, then it becomes a natural risk type situation. Are you in the kind of situation that could benefit from a dramatic shakeup and are willing to take whatever direction it goes? 
then feel free to do magic in the Eclipse portal. Which brings me to the card that pull. I chose normally pull one since the Eclipse is a big theme, and then the other big transits are all Scorpio transits, so the energy isn't really going to shift all that much. So it felt like one card would tie it all together. And I pulled the tower reversed. If you are familiar with traditional correspondences, by your means love. I swear I did not cheat, it's a legitimate poll. And if you are in the SAS Discord and involved in the Daily Tarot thread, you know what this card looks like and the many conversations around it, so feel free to skip ahead. The Tower is a card that many decks depict like absolute chaos and an apocalyptic scenario, but not the mystical manga Tarot. Upright, it's an ethereal depiction of two female figures dressed in pink and jewellery like the tower belongs to Prince Silvio from Ikemen Prince. There's a vague Arabian Nights vibe to it, like some belly dancing costumes I've seen before. The sky looks like dawn towards the end, when the sun is visible but you still have the pink sky as the blue spreads out. Lightning strikes top of the tower, which Unlike the two women, looks like your standard European medieval building, and the tower in a game of chess. The top falls off like a crown falling from a head, with no other damage to the tower except that it's already built with an open bottom. It's clear in the depiction that it is not open through damage, and if it was, then that the damage has been fixed and the openness preserved. The two women are falling in front of it, but they look calm and more like they are floating. They are barefoot and when the card is reversed, as it is the case for us, they look like they are dancing, suspended in the sky as the scene I just depicted takes place in the background, upside down obviously. And the lightning in the reversal looks like it's coming from inside the tower instead. Which of course is consistent with the view of reversal that I tend to favour, which is that they are the inward focus meaning of the arrived card. So for me this pool really speaks into what I was saying about eclipses. A tower moment is coming, but are you going to approach it from a place of damage control and not really wanting things to change and so life pulls the rug from under you? Or are you going to topple that crown on a quest for liberation and dance with the elements as they are even if it's dangerous, because at the end of the day, we are looking at two people in the air without a parachute. The dawn depicted in this card is going to come eventually and inevitably. The cycle of life goes on whether we like it or not. This card, to me, is an invitation to look at the places where we are resisting the dawn and wishing that we could hold on to the night a little bit longer because what's next is unknown and uncomfortable. Maybe they could have left without being thrown out of the tower by the explosion, and so could you. Or maybe there are chains that we don't see that the explosion had to remove for them, and you don't really get as much of a choice in the matter. Only you know how this card relates to something going on in your life. You have to resonate with it, and how you resonate with it is dependent on you. I can't tell you that. But I know enough people to make educated guesses that for a lot of us the tower is a scary card because it asks us to get out of our comfort zone 
and sometimes become the villain in someone else's stories because of it. But there is a bigger picture to everything. And one thing I love about the tarot is that it offers us a snapshot in each card that we pull. But even when we don't have a larger spread telling us a story, we know where the cards set in the bigger story of Arcana. There is always more to a situation than what we see. And on this note, I wish you all the best for the Eclipse portal. I'm on threads and Instagram if you want to connect. And there will be a series for Scorpio season on Substack where I look uh, more directly at some Catholic beliefs that I'm working on transmuting. So just get the link in the show notes if you're interested. Until next time, keep living in wonder.